0: We started with this verse last week, Romans chapter twelve. And we've been talking about the power of God. We talked about his in his attributes. Is it warm in here? Do you know where the key is? Oh, I mean, yeah, he can do it. Yeah. Just, just, just kick it down like seventy-two or something like that. Okay, I, I feel warm too. I've climbed the stairs a few times and and everything else. So, all right, what's it on? Uh, Seventy-four. Okay, kick it down to about seventy-two. Maybe it'll get a little chillier. Um. So we talked about, we're talking about the attributes of God. We talked about his moral attributes, his goodness, his, his benevolence, his, his, uh, his grace, his wrath, his righteousness, uh, things of that nature. Then we talked about his intellectual attributes. We talked about his wisdom, his knowledge, him being the basis of all well wisdom and knowledge. Uh, and then we answered some things regarding. Um, Regarding those that, uh, that try to say God doesn't know or cannot know, um, which, is, which is really the voice of the wicked there in Psalm 10. But, uh, and we answered those challenges, and man is not the sum of all things, God is the sum of all things. Or I mean, as far as that goes, as far as I can use that, use that uh, euphemistically. And then we started talking about the power of God, and with the power of God we're talking about his will. Um, and just to remind ourselves a little bit about, I'm going to flip some pages. I'm still using uh, John Frame's Systematic Theology as our as our uh, launching point for this discussion. And we talked about his power and his will. He's omnipotent. There is no limit to his power. What does that mean? He does what he pleases and there's nothing that can limit him. He is Lord over all. And we, we, we talked about Issues with trying to define that, and we also talked about uh, some of the some some of the some of the things that the Bible says that God cannot do. And those are those are not limits to His power; they are displays of His power. For instance, God cannot contradict Himself. God cannot deny Himself. Um, He you and I cannot just talk for ten minutes without contradicting ourselves. We don't have the intellectual power to do that. God is limited in His power. Uh, God cannot lie. God cannot do that which is what what what, what that which is um, against His moral nature. That's because He has moral power. Uh, there is no limit to His moral power. He He has. You and I can decide right now. I'm not going to sin from now on. How is that going to work for us? Not very good, <laughs> we can't by our own moral power, say i'm no longer going to sin um and I'm not giving you all an excuse for your sin i'm just saying um, we lack the moral power, God is righteous in his very nature, he lacks no moral power uh he cannot deny himself um, see so, so can he can he uh can he um create another God that's just as infinite and as powerful as him. No, that would be denying himself and he has uh, he cannot cease being God Um, he cannot he cannot be limited in the same way that you and I are limited as a creature so someone says um, can God create a rock so big that he cannot lift it well I can create a rock or I can't create a rock but I can create a house, I can build a house and not be able to lift it uh, because I'm limited as a creature. God of course, cannot limit himself. So, those, so such things are kind of, kind of, uh, just, just, just silly philosophical tr- tricks uh, that do not describe or talk about the God of the Scriptures. Uh, so, we discussed that, and where did we leave off? We talked about His will and redemption. Uh, how, how in redemption, uh, he has shown him strength in, in weakness. Uh, Paul, Paul says, when I am weak, then he is strong. Uh, is the foolishness of God, the weakness of God is stronger than men. How did he display himself? How did he save us? He saved us through a cross, um, through a Savior that was hungry, thirsty, <laughs> um, and died on a cross. So the weakness of God. Then last week we talked about God's will, his decrees, his precepts, how we understand the actions of his will. We talked about the fact that God has decreed all things that come to pass. He has a decreative will, and he also has a preceptive will. And the issue there is, all right, what God decrees, what God says will happen, will happen, right? Um, that's, we believe that based upon the scriptures. So God has decreed certain things to come to pass. I will declare a decree. The Lord has said unto me, thou art my son. Uh, So on and so forth. Psalm chapter 2, he's decreed that which has come to pass. Uh, But there's also his precept of will, and that's not always followed, is it? Is everybody just out here obeying all God's commands right now? No, they're not. Uh, But he has given commands. He says, repent, believe, be saved. Um... He he said, uh, do not kill, do not steal, do not uh, bear false witness, uh, you know, honor your father and mother. Is everybody going around doing these things perfectly? No, no, they're not. And, And that raised questions because the Bible doesn't make a difference between his decreative will and his perceptive will, his precepts that he has commanded people to do. And how do we understand that? Uh, is God's will something that can just be forced? Uh, ultimately, no. For all will be judged um, according to according to the commands that God has given, and their obedience to His commands. Uh, most specifically, the command of the gospel to repent and believe goes out. Uh, we ask the question: Does God desire all men to be saved? If so, why isn't all everybody saved? And and uh, the, and we talked about the uh, the fact that the scriptures do say that God does desire the salvation even of the lost. And that doesn't mean his will is thwarted. Uh, that means God has made a way of salvation and actually went out and declared that we should we should give these imperatives, these precepts, these commands to repent and believe the gospel to all, and he, We'll save some of them. So that's kind of just kind of the stuff we touched on, and I and I know that uh, he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. We're not going to go back and read some of those texts, but but um, the question was asked: uh, Which will is the real will of God—the um, the creative will or the perceptive will? That which is, that which must come to pass, and that which is which he commands, he describes his will for people to repent, his will to believe, but some do not believe, some do not repent, which will is the real will of God. The scriptures don't make that differentiation. Now ultimately, all of his commands represent, just like we were talking about eschatology, the end times, uh, things of that nature, God has a goal. One day you and I are going to be perfectly righteous, (laughs) right? He's going to make us so. He's going to clothe us with righteousness. And we're not going to steal and kill and, and uh, bear false witness anymore. Uh, that God's commands are going to be honored uh, even, uh, even by us sinful creatures one day. So, so I can't read my writing here. His, his, his commands will prevail, so there, so we can't say his commands are not the will of God expressed. They are the will of God expressed, and he has determined that those who remain disobedient um, uh, will honor him, honor him through his judgment as well. And I'm just babbling. I'm doing a very poor job at uh, summing up. But I wanted to talk about this idea of a third will of God. And I'm not talking about when we talked about... When we talked about the knowledge of God, we talked about His this idea of middle knowledge and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about with, here with the will. Um, what do we mean? Romans chapter 12. I told you to open it, and then I didn't get there, did I? Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, Romans, or not Romans, but Matthew 7. This is talking about us. Finding the will of God for us. The other side of this, verse 22, Matthew 7:22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? So on, so forth. Verse 23, then I will profess. No, verse 21 was what I was looking for, sorry. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now the will here for them was his precepts, but we get the idea when we start looking at the will. Well, let me ask it this way. Does God have a specific will for your life? Sure a plan for you. Okay. So, the question is, is what would God Well, what did, what did Paul say? He says, Lord, what would you have me to do, okay. Now, was there a chapter and verse for that? Well, he he didn't have one. Uh, no, but what what would God want me to do? What is God's will for my life? All right. So this doesn't fit neatly. This question doesn't fit neatly in His decrees. Right? God has decreed certain to everything that comes to pass. Now, I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. But, well, you, you can really become a stoic if, if that's what you're talking about with this question. Well, what does God want for me? Well, whatever happens. <laughs> uh, you know, just go with the flow. Uh, and, and I like how my pastor in Texas said that any dead fish can swim downstream right? It's, it's very easy. Just go with the flow. That's what the Stoics did. Whatever, whatever the, they, the Stoics, the, the Stoic philosophers in ancient Greece, the pagan philosophers in ancient Greece. Well, whatever the universe is, whatever the fates have decided is going to happen and we can't stop it. And there it is. You know, so we, this question doesn't fit neatly and it should be asked, what does God want me to do? It doesn't fit neatly in the decreative will of God. So what is God's will for my life? That's, not, that's something we, we're always trying to practically figure out. Um, pastors, uh, elders, and churches uh, get this quite a bit. I know I've asked more than one man of, man of God, <laughs> uh, what do you want, what, what do you think God wants me to do? Now, what they're asking for is guidance, and how do you guide that? Now, God's will for you is found in the Bible. Okay, right, and that's a good answer. We we could fit this night neatly under the, uh, neatly under the uh, perceptive will of God. What's God's will? Well, God's will for you is to repent and believe the gospel. Uh, God's will for you is to. Uh, is to be sanctified, God's will for you is to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every living creature. God's will for you is not to kill, not to steal, not to bear false witness and so on, right? Uh, now that's good and w- good and all well and good until we get to some questions that aren't covered by the commands. Have you all ever had any questions about what you're going to do that you couldn't find a chapter in verse four? Yeah, okay. Should I move to Philadelphia or Detroit, you know, or something like that? Should I marry uh should I mar- should I marry um uh, Bachelorette A or Bachelorette B? You know, if you had such luxury of choices. Uh, uh you know, or something like that. Now, can you find a verse that says you should read you should marry Bachelor A? Or you should move to Philadelphia? Or um you should pick this um, pick this job instead of that job, or go to this college instead of that college, or, or are you going to find chapters and verses for that? Does that does that mean it's outside of the question of what God, uh, of the will of God? We 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 believe God has a plan for us, right? Uh, that God would have us to do certain things. So that so this day this this when. I remember not too long ago, someone says, well, I know the will of God is this. This gets into a very dangerous grounds. God told me this. Well, what do you mean God told you? I mean, I'm still searching for that verse, <laughs> All right? And this can get into some very dangerous subjective ground, but it doesn't mean the question is meaningless. God's will for us is to do they well. Okay, that's well and good. Well, God told me. It gets into some very subjective. Well, how do you know that God told you? Well, I got this. Uh, I got this funny feeling, <laughs> you know, in the in the pit of my stomach, and uh, my hair started standing on end. You get that that friend of Job, right? Uh, uh, the the spirit passed before my eyes. My hair stood on end, and I felt this funny feeling. And the breeze blew, and, or like, like like the old um, like the old. Um, uh, Regular Baptist, how do you know you're saved? Well, a crow <laughs> flew into my room, and I knew right then. I got this feeling God spoke to me. And we, we, want, to, we want to avoid that. Uh, feelings are important. Uh, Jesus Christ himself talked about uh, when you go into a city, he, he commanded his apostles when he went out, when He first sent them out in Matthew chapter 10, when you go into a city, enter into a house, say, and if your peace be with you there, then stay there. Okay, sometimes sometimes that feeling of peace about a certain thing may be a very good indicator about a a thing. So feelings are important, but the greater question is always, well, what does the scripture say? Okay, God's will is revealed. I believe this so wholeheartedly and strongly that God's will is revealed in his scriptures. Now, how is that? Since there's not a verse that says go to college A instead of college B or uh, whatever other choice you want to put into that box. Um, I don't think we can make, this, make those decisions apart from the Scriptures because we have to have an understanding already. We're following Christ. We're trying to not steal, not kill, You know, take the gospel, be sanctified, <laughs> You know, do all these things, uh, believe him in this area, believe him in that area. We're trying to repent about what we know is wrong, so on and so forth. And by his grace, he gives us to do those things. But our understanding of those things should guide uh, these decisions. Only the scriptures provide divine norms. Now, you're not going to find the scriptures to be a a case study at all points in time. Um, For instance, we talk about the prophet, the unnamed prophet there in the book of Kings. Uh, he went into Samaria. He was told by God, "Don't do this." <laughs> you all remember the story in the Book of Kings. God says, "Go preach against Jeroboam and against his altar, and go one way and depart another. Do not stay. Do not dwindle. Do not do not abide. Just the way you go out, go out a different way." All right. So he goes. He preaches against uh, Jeroboam. Jeroboam's hand turns into a rock. <laughs> I mean, it gets stiff and he can't move it, uh, like a rock. And uh, the prophet prays for him, and they, he's he's re- he's released from that. And uh, he denounces and even prophesies that 400 years later or so, that that uh, a man by the name of Josiah is going to come, and he's going to uh, throw down the altars. And then he begins to depart another way. And then what happens? Y'all don't remember the story. What happens? Anybody. This is your this, this this is your Bible trivia hour. Yeah, another prophet came and says, Well God told me <laughs> God told me you should come to my house and eat. Alright, so he does, and he ends up being eaten by a lion. Now there are some norms in the scripture, right? Of what God has directly said should happen, must happen, is what we should in all points in time tr- uh, implement in our lives. And we're not without direction on that. God's gave us commands. He's given us the norms. Now, how do we apply those? Go to Second Timothy 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Hopefully you're all tracking me so far, and I'll get through this in the next 10, 15 minutes. All right, you all know where I'm going. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. True, right? It's God-breathed. It's uh, theonestos, came from God. That means it has authority. And this is the first step that all of us need to take. This book has authority. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. All right. Teach you what to believe for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished. Unto every good work, unto all good works. So, the scriptures are our guide. They reprove us, they correct us. Every good work that we could do is prepared for us by the scriptures and by our adherence to this. So, what I mean by a third will, and Mr. Frame has very... Very very fond of triangles. <laughs> so I'm gonna draw a little triangle here. Whoop. Messed it up. Alright, so we have God's precepts up top. We'll put that up top. He's given commands. If I'm not careful, I might not follow these. One day I will be perfectly righteous, but even so come Lord Jesus, right? (laughs) All right. So we have his decrees down here. And here on this third part, I'm going to put another word that we need. We need wisdom. What is wisdom? Anybody want to provide a definition of wisdom? Someone is knowledgeable? knowledgeable? Okay. Someone is knowledgeable in what way? Like, I know two plus two is four, but what's that have to do with me doing my checkbook? (laughs) Knowing how to apply it. Not only just having this knowledge, but being able to take this knowledge and apply it here in this area in an effective way. That's wisdom. Wisdom is that ability to do that. Now, wisdom in this case is being able to read the precepts of God... Understand the will, uh, what that God has expressed His will in His commands to us, and then knowing, well, how do I make that command work here in this part of my life? Does that make sense? Yeah. That is wisdom. And James one five tells us, if any of you lack wisdom. Let them ask of God that gives to all men God wants us to be wise. Proverbs is all about that. I hope you all take time to read Proverbs quite regularly. Um, so He wants us to be wise. He He wants us to have wisdom. And he says, my son, be wise, Have, get wisdom, and get understanding, uh, forsake it not. Wisdom is your life, and, and reject folly. And just, by the way, the voice of folly is always calling you to come after it uh, in this world. So God wants us to be wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of? All right, where does that fear come from? Well, it comes from the fact that we serve as a creative and a perceptive God. A God that is in control of all things, has determined all things, and has given us commands. And the fear of the Lord is wisdom. Our understanding of our ability to take that. Wisdom dictates or rules out particular actions. All right? So a wise person, said John Frame, will not fail to worship God. All right? You got so you have these choices before you. Should I move to Detroit or should I move to Michigan? Or Detroit is Michigan. Should I move to Detroit or Philadelphia? Well, which one which one is going to be better for my worship life? Uh, or which one's going to be compassed about with more chances for me to fall into folly? Uh, should I marry A or B? Okay, with all things being equal, uh, all other things being equal, which one loves the Lord? Which one has the desire to follow the Lord, to serve the Lord? And that's wisdom. That's us looking at the precepts God has given and says, okay, if I marry A, I'm not really going to... Be encouraged as much to follow the Lord as if I marry be. So these things have to be in line. Wisdom is that ability to take the precepts of God the, per- and know what God wants me to do in a, in a specific situation. Um which one is going to have better enable me to use my gifts if I move to Philadelphia or if I move to Detroit? Which one is going to better enable me to use what God has given me? Uh, and so on and so forth. And so there are ways that we can unpack these ideas and say, this is what a wise God would, give, would, would, would tell me to do in certain situations. Wisdom is not only obeying the scriptures in big, obvious ways, said Frame. It's also, according to Proverbs, intelligence, knowledge, skills, understanding, uh, circumstances, including their like consequences. Self-knowledge, understanding of other people. It is discernment that comes through reading the scriptures, but a reading arising out of spiritual necessity and experience. What does that mean? It's us knowing how to take this and apply it not as the stoics just accepting that god has made certain decrees and i can't thwart him and whatever you're just going to run afoul and do nothing the rest of your life if if that's what it's not and it's not disobedient but submitting to his word And it's not some kind of mystical, well, what's God's will for me? And uh, if, I have a, if, if, I, if I do this or do that, I can figure out what it is. It's simply connected to the broader thing. It's knowing how to apply it. Um, God wants us then to make our decisions as wisely as possible. God wants you and me to have wisdom. Wisdom comes from our recognition of him and our understanding of his word. Uh, Psalm Psalm 119, your your law has made me wise. There is no other source of wisdom but seeking it from God and seeking it from his word. So he wants us to be as wise as possible. What's the best decision? All right. Uh, obviously, some decisions don't ha- are not as cut and dry. Uh, maybe uh, Bachelor A and Bachelor B, uh, both would encourage you to serve the Lord, both would, uh, so on and so forth. And all things are indeed equal, like picking melons at a, <laughs> which melon should I buy? <laughs> You smell for a pineapple. I now know that you smell the bottom of a pineapple and a pick, picking you right. <laughs> and I got two pineapples in my hand. They both smell ripe. Right, they both feel ripe. Right, they're not yellow. Which one should I pick? <laughs> so on and so forth. All right. Sometimes choices in life are not cut and dry. And, and obviously it's the will of God for you always to pick the wiser. So what if they're the same? Well, that's where we get into Christian liberty. <laughs> If they're the same, then God, then you're free to choose either one. Does that make sense? You're at liberty, um, in such a way. So there are two possible decisions uh, are when two. Pro- that's what Frame says here. If there, if the two possible decisions are indistinguishable in terms of wisdom then we may say that either decision is within God's will. Okay, First, so first you have to rule out, does this decision, is it possibly going to make me disobedient to God in any way? Or is it going to enable me to worship God rightly? And if you come to the point where, all, where the decision between path A and path B are the same, and they are, they are within the line of obedience to God's word, then you're free. To say, well, either decisions within God's will, then you can start saying, well, okay, now what do I want to do? <laughs> but only after you've ruled out, ruled out its relationship to God's precepts. Uh, so do we? So we could talk about this in the third category here. Um, we're not automatons. Uh, Simply swimming down the stream of whatever happens, and some people will some people will make the focus on God's decrees. Well, whatever God says is what's going to happen, and that's not wise. Um, I've met some of those people, and I think you, some of you all have probably met some of them too. Um, you could you could become. Um, you can go wrong by not seeking wisdom is what I'm saying. There are people out there that, uh, that, that are so much enamored with precepts that they've got precepts for that God didn't even give. <laughs> uh, so if you, if, you don't, uh, if you don't talk like this and walk like this and dress like this, then you're outside of the will of God, and that's not necessarily... That's not necess- there's no verse of Scripture for that. It's, uh, it's uh, like the Corbin thing in the Scriptures. Uh, they they made up precepts to allow people to follow their sinful desires, and and that's just as wrong. We have we have to be able to take God's word and apply it and apply it rightly and apply and apply it with a certain amount of liberty um, uh, to with to others when we're speaking to them. And I'm chasing a rabbit. Sorry. <laughs> um, so when I say that the scriptures don't explicitly distinguish between God's decrees and his precepts, and therefore uh, it's difficult for us to, to necessarily say that there, uh, that there are three ways of looking at God's wisdom, but, or, or God's will, rather, uh, and a third way is just uh, is wisdom as it is applied to us. But these categories are helpful. It's helpful for me to know, well, God's made decrees. And God's in perfect control. We can rest in that, right? I can rest that everything that's going to happen is going to work for my good, even when bad things happen. Why? Because God has authority, and He's in control. I can rest in that. God has expressed His will and commands. I can rest, and it helps me to understand that 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 even though God has made the command for for everyone not to kill. People do kill and people do disobey God. And it helps me to see that God is still expressing his will in both ways. What we know about his decrees and what we hear from him on his commands is still the expression of his will, his perfect will. And to think about it in a third way is my wisdom, is, is God's wisdom being given to me to be able to decide how the, how to apply that based upon my knowledge of his word that this may help us to really kind of, um, really kind of flesh this out. Uh, scripture uses the idea of God's will to describe the outcome of the wisdom, in in, in this category of out, outcome of wisdom, for, such as what we read there in Romans 12: uh, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God for you. That's in explicitly connected with this. How, is, how, how am I going to prove the will of God for me except for allowing this book to change me? Allowing what God has said to change me and to change the way I view the world, to change the way I view the decisions that are laid before me. Because I have to, if I, if I move to Detroit or Philadelphia, I have to honor God in what I do. Alright, so... Um certainly God knows what kind of life we would live if all of our decisions were as wise as possible. Now, has, has any of you all ever made foolish decisions? All right, you have? I, I was hoping I wasn't the only one making dumb decisions sometimes. No, um, but God does have a... Just because you made a foolish decision doesn't mean you can't start making wise decisions now. And seek the wisdom of every decision from God now, and still live God's perfect and acceptable and good will now by the renewing of your word. So, what we have here top, uh, this is the normative. God has said what should be, what you're supposed to do. This is normative. This is the precept. Uh, this is connecting to his, connecting to uh, the aspects of because everything's about him being Lord. This is his authority. When you think about his commands, it's simply this. God, by his authority, has told you what is normative, what it is that you should be doing on a broad way. You should be worshiping. You should be believing him. You should not kill, Still, so on and so forth. This is his authority. All right, so the decrees, this is the situations that you and me are on. By the way, we never choose our own situations. They always seem to choose us, don't they? <laughs> our own set of Who's in control of that? God is. All right, so this is his control. There's three, there's three uh, th- what we call lord- lordship attributes. Control, authority, and uh, presence. So this is his control. He's in control. He's made decisions. He has decreed what's going to come to pass. He's created the circumstances in which you were living and which you were choosing. And he's made and he has by his authority said this is what's supposed to be. And his wisdom, which all wisdom comes from God, <laughs> he's the only wise. God, he's the only source of wisdom. That's why we seek it from him and his word. This is this existential aspect of it, this is his presence. By his help, I can, I can do the wise thing. I can live out and make decisions with wisdom. So all of these aspects of his will represent his lordship. He is Lord over all, he's in control, he's in authority, and he's present, ever present help in time of trouble, <laughs> amen. So uh, that's it, we finished the will of God, and next week we're going to get into, we're going to get into some heavy waters, we're going to talk about his omnipresence, well we're going to talk about his eternality, God is eternal, amen, <laughs> he's eternal, All right, so uh, any questions, complaints, or grievances? I'll stop there.